This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Pretty cool, right? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep, they also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenny.com. Prescription glasses starting at $6.95. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and lasts longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things, like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors. Uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. Ooh. So if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. Yowie wowie, more brutal than the Hell in a Cell main event. <laughs> Welcome back everybody to this episode of Headlock Talk, where we break down the Hell in a Cell card and answer your mailbag questions. Steven, you excited? Yowie wowie. Yowie wowie, indeed. Let's get it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Headlock Talk. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are coming hot off the heels of watching WWE Hell in a Cell 2019. And, uh, beautiful show. <laughs> we got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> we got a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Um, we're, we literally just just finished watching it. Yeah, like, like literally, we... we <laughs> <laughs> we stick stuck around long enough to hear all of the boos at the end of the night and the AEW chants and the AEW chants and we walked into the back room where we've now set up a makeshift studio where uh-huh. we actually plan to record I guess for the foreseeable future. Mm. Um yeah. Uh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we should introduce ourselves. Yes, of course. I am the Texas gentleman Tanner Pruitt and as always or as Currently sitting across the table from me this time, mm. the man to my right, my right hand man, the man with the plan. He's not actually to my right this time. I was going to say that I'm a, I'm not actually to your right, which is crazy. But you're still the man with the plan, mm. the one and the only, Mr. Stephen Grudy. Well, hello. And we're also joined here today by the bestest girl, 
my dog Millie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi, Millie. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, you guys, um, lots of thoughts here. Yes. I mean, look, Hell in a Cell, for what it's worth. Look, they only told us there was gonna be four matches here on the card. The f- four of the matches that they gave us um, ranged from very, very good mm-hmm. to oh my god, what the hell are you doing? Why the hell did you do that? Yep. And, and then there was a lot of other stuff in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, I guess, open here actually a little bit in reverse. I want to talk about the main event first here, Stephen. Yeah, that that's the the main. Part, the That's important the, part. The meat of the issue here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, Hell in a Cell's main event, Seth Rollins taking on The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell in a Cell, of course, if you did not know. Um, it's only called Hell in a Cell. Yeah, just, you know. <laughs> uh, that's just what the entire you know show concept is, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, crazy stuff. Um, so, first things first... <laughs> You, we're gonna struggle through this. I'm, like I'm, I'm just so flabbergasted. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely flummoxed by this whole thing. So let me just say first off, okay. that I was super excited for this match. Yeah, uh, I was very, very excited. Uh, I think Bray Wyatt's character with the Fiend is spectacular. I yeah. think they're they're doing really, really good stuff with mm-hmm. that character. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this match opened up with uh, obviously Rollins coming out, burn it down, blah blah blah, and then <laughs> uh, and then Fiend walks out, you know, carrying Bray Wyatt's head. Um, and as both men are in the ring, the lights turn to red and they stay red. Yes. For the entire match. Yes. Now I know, uh, our opinions on this, uh, Tanner differ a little bit. I loved it. I I thought that was really, really cool. I never had a greater need to see an optometrist before in my life. (laughs) Uh, I I thought it was cool, man. You know, they're, they're, they're pulling out all the stops. With, with the fiend, and, yeah, and uh, I, I really dig it. it. It just gave the match a really like. I, I remember telling you verbatim, "This looks like a horror movie." It does. It really does. And, and it it wasn't the first time, obviously, that they've done stuff like this for Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Like I think we can all remember the uh, the Bray Wyatt Randy Orton match from WrestleMania right. a, a couple years back, where they did all the bugs and the maggots and all that stuff. They would sh- you keep showing you images from the ring mm-hmm. uh, or, or on the mat, rather. Um, they also did that House of Horrors match with Randy Orton uh, mm-hmm. to follow up with that. So they've they've done really cool concepts with Bray before. Mm-hmm. This one here, like I like the I really like the Fiend. The mm-hmm. Fiend, I think you and I can agree on on him. Uh, definitely the strongest character that they've had a, in a long, 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 long time. Facts. Um, the red lighting, though, like, and I tried to see if there was anybody on Twitter who could, you know, uh, who was there live uh, in Sacramento to give us some feedback on what the lighting was like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, I mean, it came across a bit wonky, um, for me at least. It could just be cameras. It could be the cameras. I don't know. But the lighting was a bit straining for me, I must mm. say. So I felt it a bit unenjoyable just for that alone. Fair enough. Um, but <laughs> there were far more <laughs> things to um, feel that way about as the duration yeah. of the match went on. Yeah. I mean, so 
the match was going very well, uh, in yeah. my opinion. It was going very well. There was a lot of really hard hitting stuff. Yeah. And they were they were telling the story of, you know, the fiend being this this monster and Seth having, you know, this scared look, this desperated look. You know, he he's trying to pull out all the stops. Every time he goes for a cover, the fiend kicks out at one. Yep. And, and they're telling a really, really solid story. Yeah. And, and I was really digging it. And then what happened, Tanner? Um, Seth Rollins proceeded to perform uh, what was, I mean, last I counted, probably within about 15 or 16 stomps in a row. It was at least a baker's dozen. At least. Yeah. Uh, That was still not enough. So Seth tried giving uh, Bray a pedigree because we all know. If there's one finisher to put somebody away with <laughs> in WWE, it is the pedigree. Yeah. And then he followed up that with stomps. And that's Which, still, let me just say, that pedigree was awful. It was garbage. I don't know whose fault it was, but ne- it was not good. Neither one looked like they wanted to do it. Right. Uh, so it fell apart completely. Yeah. Um, and then, so like several other stomps later, the crowd is like booing, like in full voice booing. And we're not even at the worst part of the match yet. No. Um, I'm just so tired of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so tired. Yeah. Um, so, so then uh, after, you know, the Baker's dozen of stomps. At uh, least. At least. The, the, the two Baker's dozen of stomps. Yeah, yeah. Felt like. uh, we, get, we get a lot of boos from the crowd. You know, <laughs> Rollins do something else other than just stomp him over and For over. For the love of God. Yeah. Uh, and then so... After all those stomps, the fiend's not dead, but no. he, but he is out uh, yeah. for the time being. So he he's on his back, you know, sprawled out in the ring or whatever. Hmm. Um, Rollins proceeds to grab uh, chairs and yes. a ladder, yes, uh, and also a toolbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he swings the toolbox onto the ladder and the chair, yeah. uh, which is like right on like uh, Bray's, Bray's face. Head. Yeah, yeah. His head. It, was, it was like covering the fiend's face. So he like he was like hitting him with the chairs, mm-hmm. and then like like slamming the ladder on Bray's face and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, there's a person in there. Right. Like, Calm down a little bit. Absolutely. Just, uh, you know, there like, is a person there. Uh, I understand you're telling a story here, but like that that's a that's a man. Like you need to chill out a little bit. Right. Right. And, and so yeah, he he keeps hitting him with with this toolbox um and you know rollins decides that that's still not enough and so he he yeah. goes out uh, yeah he, he's swinging this this toolbox full force on full Bray's force. face yeah yeah uh he goes out and grabs a sledgehammer and right before he's about to hit bray with it the ref uh you know kind of stops him and is like i forget what he says what does he tell him the when the ref uh when when Seth grabs the sledgehammer yeah he says like this isn't you this isn't you yeah, don't yeah. do this think about what you're doing mm-hmm. it's not worth it yeah um and then Rollins does it anyway and here is the worst part of this match the ref DQs Rollins for that yeah he d de- after everything else it wasn't the chairs it wasn't the ladders it wasn't the and toolbox. It wasn't the steel steps. It wasn't the steel steps. It wasn't the kendo sticks. It mm. wasn't anything else. It was the sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So the weapon almost doesn't matter, you know. Like, but he- it a hell in a cell match is no DQ. Blanket. Yeah, absolutely done. done. Absolutely. Like, yeah. where in the hell do you get the justification to say nope? That's it. Mm. Right. Right. No. You you can't you can't 
give someone the a match and say this is a hell in a cell match. It is right. no DQ. And then DQ them. You can't do that. Like I don't care what's going on in the ring. You can't do that. Yeah. Like, let's compare this real quick, right? In the second ever Hell in a Cell match, mm. The Undertaker both threw Mick Foley off the cell and threw him through the cell. Mm-hmm. Neither of those was a disqualification. Neither of right. those occasions the refs were like, uh, uh, okay, right. we're calling a disqualification. Yeah. No, they checked on Mick Foley, obviously. Duh. Right? Yeah. Of course. But they never called the match off. Mm-hmm. And this was very much in kayfabe. This was very much um, by the script, of course. Yeah. Because what isn't in, mm. in WWE land? Nowadays, you know. <sighs> see, see, the problem I have with this is, you know, they're they're building up the Fiend as this, you know, this this monster, this immovable object. You know, this this guy, you can't take him down. You know, he's just a monster. He's not a man, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you end the match because you're afraid that the fiend is going to die. Like, the fiend can't die. Right. From what you've told us, you know. He's literally Michael Myers. Right. And so, like, I don't understand this being, like, like thinking of the fiend's well-being. It's like, yeah, he's... I understand he's a man. Yeah. But you're <laughs> telling me, you're telling me... That this guy is not a man, right? And that he's a monster, and that he can't be stopped, and that you can't kill him, right? And then now you have your ref DQ Seth Rollins because you think he's going to kill him, right? But you just told me he can't die. It's- yeah, and then but and then Seth's like, "You did this to me. You 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 made me do this." And it's yeah. like, um, okay, well, uh, yeah. fine. Um, the crowd, though, oh man, they, they were not having. They it. set this on fire. Yep. The first warning signs was during uh, the Stompathon. Mm-hmm. Um, Great name. <laughs> hashtag Stompathon mm-hmm. for all you listeners out there. Um, so, yeah, they were like, boo, boo. And it was like, okay, Rollins is catching heat here. And this was this was my thinking. Rollins is catching heat here because the crowd wants The Fiend to win the title. Right. Awesome. Um, in retrospect here, uh, this ending... They just it just set the crowd off. There it was loud, probably the loudest booze that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, uh, or at least in the last like oh five years, this was like WrestleMania Roman Brock level of booing. Yeah, it, it didn't sound like a single person in that arena was having it. No. Yeah, and, and the booing turned into bullshit chants. Mm-hmm. The booing turned into AEW chants, very loud AEW chants, very loud bullshit chants. There was also a restart the match chant. Restart the match chants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as uh, Rollins was trying to go back over to The Fiend, and The Fiend was like, they had all these EMTs come out to check on The Fiend. Yeah, they were they were attempting to put him on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rollins goes over to, to like, look at the fiend or whatever and then the and then he puts on the mandible claw and mm-hmm. you know does the you know the outro right yeah starts messing him up throws him outside the ring hits the sister abigail a few mm-hmm. times and then uh hits the mandible mandible claw again mandible claw uh, yeah with a blood pack and uh, yeah uh yeah lights go out you hear yowie wowie a laugh from the fiend and that's 
Hell in a Cell 2019. Yeah, and then like, they, but they keep cutting it to black, and then like, just booze just rained over. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, the editing team's gonna have a lot of work to do before throwing that thing up on the network. Yep. Um, but yeah, this was probably um, certainly the most disappointing finish to a WWE pay per view this year. Um, well, I don't know. Money in the bank called and would like to speak to you. Uh, I don't know, man. This might be much worse than that. Well, let me just say I agree with you. Yeah. I'm just saying there's definitely some contenders. Though there is, for sure, there is. See, the the problem with this is that you know the the money in the bank finish that pissed me off. You know that that hundred percent pissed me off. This is just disappointing, and uh, you know I, I guess I could say I'm pissed off, but I'm more just disappointed. You know, just because you're building up this guy to to be a monster. And then and to have it in like this and and you have you have the red lights going on in the match to make it look like a horror movie and to, mm-hmm. and to show fiend looking really really scary and, and you have this match going so so well and then you just like why would you do that it doesn't make any sense no you're you're right you're very very right and I mean I I don't know I loathed loathed the end there mm-hmm. uh yes um I, i'm actually checking in with uh some of our uh bbr brethren here mm. brethren and sisterin is that a word i don't know sisterin sisterin yeah, sure. mm. sure. uh let me see here so i asked for their thoughts uh in our little uh chat space here uh queen could only muster a wolf queen of any on twitter of course um, and then <laughs> Josh Robinson, our friend Josh from yes. Wrestling Reverb, of course. Um, uh, Josh Robinson, zero zero on Twitter. He says, I'm not AEW's, and this is in all caps. Mm-hmm. All of this is in all, in all caps. Okay. I'm not AEW's biggest fan at all, but my God, WWE, who I love, who I love, as y'all know, you have legit competition in them and you do dumb stuff that literally Ubers them to the other side. Mm-hmm. I can't I, agree more. I understand you were in the corner with this outcome, but you guys booked it. Yeah. Uh, he goes on. Wow, this is quite the rant. Goodness. Um, the Fiend should not have been near the title yet, and therefore you could have had anyone fight Seth, and this would have been avoided. This is this is true. I, f- I, I, I can agree with this sentiment, actually. I, yeah. Uh, I'm mad, and I always see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, not here. I'm not uh, turning, quote-unquote, turning off WWE. I'm not saying that at all, but this decision is nothing short of stupid. Ah, uh, okay, I've said my piece. I love y'all. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, he does bring up a very, very good point here. Uh, Steven, <laughs> buy or sell here, was, uh, was the Fiend Seth Rollins program rushed? Um... So I'm going to disagree with that. I, I don't think so. I, th- I think they've done a very good job with building him up. Mm. You know, they, this has been months and months and months and months in the making. You know, right. I, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily rushed. I will say, you know, once we finally did see The Fiend, mm. um, he did get into the title picture rather quickly. I will say that. However, yeah. Yeah. you know, they've been building this character up for, for months and months, and they've been building him up as a monster, like like I've said, you know, 70 million times on this episode, sorry. You're um, good. <laughs> and so, 
you know, I, I can see how you could feel that it's rushed, but I disagree. I will say that that's just me. Um, I actually agree 110 percent with uh, with saying that he uh, was rushed into this match. Mm. I think that if this was your original thought for the finish, then yeah, you rushed this, right? Because this shouldn't have been the case. Um, Seth has really only defended his title what once, besides winning it from Brock. I, I want to say, yeah. Um. Yeah, no. Um, just a little bit too soon here mm. for Seth to go losing the title, and very, very soon for Fiend to actually win the title from him. See, I was just personally ready for Rollins to lose it, uh, just because they haven't really done anything with him, you know. And I want to get the belt on somebody else True. That, that they could possibly do something with. Right. Nothing against Rollins, you know. It's just straight up they haven't done anything with him. So, or at least nothing interesting. This was the right. first thing that was like, "Wow, this is actually interesting." Like right. Seth's legitimately afraid uh, of the fiend, mm-hmm. and uh, really and truthfully, that's how it should have gone, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I digress. Uh, yeah, um, not cool at all. Uh, yes, WWE has major competition, and I think that. They did some serious damage here to all the goodwill that they had with their season premiere week uh, across all three shows now. Yeah. Uh, just with one match and one bad decision. I, that sounds really, really harsh, but I really think that's, that's that's the reality in the eyes of the fans is, well, now I don't even you know give a shit about watching Raw. I don't give a shit about watching SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, I don't if think they're going to do this, then... Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's harsh at all. I think that's being realistic. You yeah. know, the, the and fans have been you know complaining about the status of the Universal Championship for months and months, possibly even years. You know, <laughs> it's it. This is your biggest title. You yeah. should be doing more with it. You know, <clears throat> and I thought that this was going to be the moment that that changed, and, and that we were actually going to have a, a really strong champion with the Fiend, mm-hmm. and have some really interesting storylines going on, and they just. Took a shit on it. Yeah. that This was the right time, I feel like, to put the title on The Fiend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they, they did not do what they should have done. Yeah. I mean, not not only did The Fiend not win the title, but the the main event of Hell in a Cell ended in a DQ. Mm-hmm. Just listen to that sentence. Yeah. It's nonsensical. There's no way, like, no way that yeah. there's a DQ finish and somehow they just throw the match. Dude, um, the Fiend broke Seth's neck. Yeah. Supposedly, whatever. Right. He he broke his neck and didn't get DQ'd. Well, and that was not the... Uh, we'll move on because we got a lot of other matches to cover, and we, we've spoken at length, and I don't want us to beat a dead horse here. Yeah, but yeah. this was not actually the only uh, uh, questionable disqualification finish here on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's kind of start here. Uh, at the pre-show, Natalia defeated Lacey Evans by submission uh, as well. This was on the pre-show. A, a decent enough match yeah, here for a, a, a somewhat minor feud going on on Raw. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Lacey Evans is not nearly as highlighted as what she was uh, a few months ago. Um, I think she's looking a lot better in the ring, though. Yes, honestly. yes. I think that she definitely needed time, like what we were talking about. So she did look better, and I think Natalia probably helped that out a lot, too, because Natalia's one of the, the more keen professionals. Uh, you know, in the in the locker room as as a whole, 
guys and gals. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you can't you can't be uh you know raised in the Hart family and not be an uh an excellent professional wrestler. Yeah, the the announcer said she has a history with the Hart family. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I mean you're not wrong. Wow, but uh, okay. I, I mean, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, moving right along, first match of the official card here, Becky Lynch takes on Sasha Banks uh, in Hell in a Cell. A great opener here, Absolutely. I thought. Yeah. Uh, this was a very, very well done match. Uh, I'd even put it probably in the four, four and a half uh, range there. Nice. As far as ratings goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, lovely match. Again, I kind of thought that Sasha was going to hold on and win the match here. There's many occasions where I thought that was. But uh, this was an exceptionally brutal match. I would say this is actually more brutal than the main event in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also a much more well-done match, I feel. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of really, really cool spots here. A lot of stuff that you haven't seen before. Um, there was one spot where um, Becky put kendo sticks in the corner of the uh, of the Hell in a Cell. Or the cell. Um, yeah. And uh, stacked a, a chair on it put Sasha on the chair and drop kicked it, uh, mm-hmm. sending Sasha into the corner of the cell. Uh, it was a really, really cool spot. Th- there was a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, you know, Sasha threw like f- like 40 chairs in- into the yep. ring. and, and uh, <laughs> All the chairs. Yeah, it ate a slam off the top rope into that for the one, two, three. Um, it-, it was a good match. There, there was some innovation, some, some brutal stuff going on, um, some technicality, which was cool. Um, I really, really think Sasha should have won here. Uh, yeah. I, that's the only thing about the match that I really disagree with. Just mm-hmm. because, you know, like, it's kind of the same thing with The Fiend. You know, like, why? Yeah. Why have this match if you're going to end it that way? Like, why bring Sasha back and have this crazy push and make mm-hmm. her look really, really strong just to have her lose at Hell in a Cell? Yeah. Like, it, it it's missed opportunities, man. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, I understand Becky's really big and everyone mm-hmm. likes Becky, mm-hmm. but... Everyone likes Sasha too. Yeah, she's great. So yeah. Sasha, Sasha proved to me that she might be the best seller in the locker room, bar none, uh, yeah. tonight. Um, I think she did an exceptional job uh, in selling all of Becky's offense. I think she did an exceptional job of um, you know uh, selling her as possibly winning this match, which was also great. Um, I really, really enjoyed this match, and I even think that they did such a good job to the to the point where I think it did help raise Becky's stock mm. back up in some of the eyes of the fans. For sure, um, I know it. I felt that way uh, personally, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed this match. Yeah, great opening match. Yeah, definitely in the. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm sticking to the uh, like four territory. It was a great match. Re- really good match. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we were then treated to another very, very solid match here mm-hmm. up next on the card. Which, let me just say that the uh, women's Hell in a Cell match, what was it, like 30 minutes? Like 25, uh, 30 minutes? Wikipedia has it at 21.50. Okay. 21.50. Yeah, it was a good length. I, I liked it. Yes. It, it's a little bit more time than WWE tends to give uh, to some matches, especially openers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it I, I think it was a good choice. Yeah, by a good distance, longest match on the card. Um, Daniel Bryan then uh, teamed up with Roman Reigns to take on Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in a Tornado Tag Team match, uh, which was uh, very, very well done. Uh, you made a, actually a very good comment during the match here uh, in saying that... Uh, 
with two of these matches here going so long uh, that the long form really suited WWE at this point, mm-hmm. uh, which I would tend to agree. I think that I like sh- fewer matches on a card that are longer and with more room to breathe and mm-hmm. tell their story. Uh, the Becky and Sasha match certainly deserved that. And this match, even though it wasn't nearly as much as a... Uh, as as much of a blood feud, perhaps, as Becky and Sasha, this one had a lot of intensity and emotion in it, and all four men participated beautifully mm-hmm. in this match here. I, I would also say this is probably within the three and a half to four range. Yeah, yeah, I stuck this right around three and a half. Uh, it was a really solid match. Um, I wrote in my notes, this is what happens when you let matches breathe. Yes. You know, uh, yes. We, we've been saying it for months and months, you know, these people know how to work. Just yeah. give them the let, time. Let them work. And let them work. And, you know, Sasha and, and Becky, both great wrestlers, they gave them the time mm-hmm. to work and look at the match we got. Same mm-hmm. thing with these four men. Fantastic wrestlers. You gave them the time and we got a beautiful match out of it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Uh, Eric Rowan, Luke Harper played the, the brutal big man role mm-hmm. beautifully. Um, Daniel Bryan at points was playing the baby face in peril, which worked out great for them. Uh, you know, because, I mean, he, he does that very, very well as a natural underdog. Right. Um, and then Roman Reigns, he kind of also played, like, you know, uh, uh, what he... Excuse me. <laughs> that's okay. He, he played what he does best, which is the Superman. Right. But, you know, he was taken out enough of the match to where it was paced very nicely. Mm-hmm. You Couldn't know. agree more. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, that one went about just shy of 17 minutes. Uh, third match on the card here, Randy Orton versus Mustafa Ali, which was actually set up during the pre-show. Um, some very nice uh, spots here and athletic uh, athletic maneuvers uh, from Mustafa Ali, particularly towards the finish here where he countered an RKO by going to a handstand. That was the coolest RKO <laughs> reversal I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it was beautiful. It was nice. Randy was like kind of like shocked. Um, uh, you know, and then of course uh, Randy hits the, the RKO finally for the victory here. Mm-hmm. A bit slower paced, mm-hmm. but um, it still highlighted Mustafa Ali's ability to work and get something out of Randy Orton that he doesn't necessarily get to do quite often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was cool to see Mustafa Ali, and again, we're going to keep calling him Mustafa Ali because that's yeah. his name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool to see him, you know, on the big stage in a pay-per-view. Uh, it's, it's been a while uh, since we've seen that, and pairing him with Randy Orton, I think, was a really good idea. They have really good chemistry in the ring, I think, mm. uh, with, you know, Mustafa trying to go for you know, the, the super quick, like agile moves and, and Randy, you know, reversing it and just being like, Oh no, you know, not today. Uh, I think they had really good momentum. Uh, the, the crowd was dead during this match. I, I think that might be because of the slow start. Uh, it definitely had a slower start picked up really well in, in the second half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it was a very hard hitting match. Both guys were really going at it. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, very, very nicely done though. Um, a little bit slow, a little bit boring, uh, but um, yeah, I, I think it did highlight and accentuate Mustafa Ali enough to where Randy Orton could potentially see him as a threat, and Randy kind of also acknowledged that a bit himself after mm-hmm. the match. Uh, so yeah, well done, Mustafa Ali. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, even with the more. Yeah, for sure. Even with the slow start, I still think it was a really nice match. Um, I'm sitting it right at the three-star range. Very good match. Yeah, I would say that's about fair. Yep. 
uh, Kabuki Warriors, uh, Asuka and Kairi Sane, took on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the tag team championships. The women's tag team championships, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven, what did you think here, man? Uh, it was fine. Um, it wasn't bad. Definitely wasn't a bad match. Um, it was just kind of boring at, at times. It was very mm. slow. Mm. Um, I, I really just don't get the tag team of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're not only are their personalities clashing, but their wrestling styles are clashing as well. And I would agree with that. And, and I don't really understand what they were thinking with uh, putting the belts on them. Obviously, Kyrie Sane and Asuka looked great. They always do. Um, uh, but the the tag team with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross just really kind of dragged this uh, match down, in my opinion, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd couple pairing. Yeah, it is. I don't know. It, it was just kind of boring at times. Yeah. I would I would agree, though the the finish was very surprising. I I do think that uh, for a long long time now, Oscar and Kyrie Saint deserved the championships. Definitely, um, it was a bit odd seeing them play the heels, kind of, sort of, like yeah, but they didn't commit to it, right? Well, neither team did, and I think that's what made the match a little bit confusing, and mm. maybe why. I guess we felt as though it was a bit slow or a bit off because there, there there wasn't a lot of crowd reaction. The crowd was trying to figure something out here, right? Um, because like they wanted to cheer for Oscar and Kyrie because they're very much fan favorites, but they're using all of these heelish kind of tactics, particularly with the finish here where Oscar uses the green mist mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Nikki Cross's face. Yeah, and Kyrie does like an eye poke earlier in the match. Yeah, as well. there's yeah. some stomping, some kicks, you know, that were a bit heelish. Um, I guess one could I suppose, argue. Yeah, I, su- I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing beyond that was like super like oh you know this is gonna you know this is very heat worthy yeah, yeah you know um lots of heel heat no n- nothing like that so it was a bit confusing i would say more than anything else mm-hmm. still solid enough happy for the kabuki warriors mm-hmm. um like with a lot of things here in wwe recently needs a name change don't like the name kabuki warriors as neither much. do i yeah it's it, i don't like it yeah it's a bit um uh, it's a bit of a rough name, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I gave this one a two and a quarter. Yeah, I would say I would say uh, I would go a little bit higher, just slightly two and a half. Yeah, good was, to see the title change. It was fine. Definitely yeah. good to see the title change for sure. Now, hopefully, they uh, they break up Bliss and Cross just because it's weird. Yeah, or they feud. Who knows? Hey, I'd be down if yeah. they feuded. Yeah. Um, up next, we had uh, an angle where. Uh, the OC would uh, have uh, the Viking Raiders, Ivar and Eric. Ugh, uh, name is just <laughs> awful. Uh, sorry, guys. The OC would take on uh, the War Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's Han- the correct name. Hanson and Rowe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and a partner of their choosing. So we were chatting it up in the in our little, uh, you know. Uh, podcast support room here mm-hmm. our podcast team chat and uh we're like oh who's it gonna be is it alistair black mm. Mm. is it ricochet mm. who's it gonna be and then you know so they've got a bunch of guys with beards in the ring or outside the ring and then they get the guy with the biggest beard of them all uh Braun get these hands stroman yeah you know <laughs> bork poorman <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Bran Strawman. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, good times. Um, but yeah, this is where they had this weird DQ finish mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Like, like, this was the first time in the night that they had this happen. Yeah. And um, I can't even remember. Oh, no, yes, I do remember. So, like, the match was just going on just like normal. Very, I mean, it was pretty decent. It was a decent match. I yeah. would say, yeah, I was getting into that two and three quarter, getting up to three yeah. kind of range there. It, this felt like something that you would actually see on a Raw, which is a little bit, yeah, but whatever. Um, but more importantly here, like, I think... Braun was in the ring with AJ. So they were the legal men. And then, like, just randomly out of nowhere, the OC comes back into the ring. And it's, like, three on one. And then the ref's like, F this-ish. And he, like, calls for the DQ. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? I mean, like, so why? Technically, I can see why. Why? Well, it's three on one, and, it, and it's not a no DQ match. It, it's not. It's a six-man tag match. The rules are still standing. Do I agree with the choice? Absolutely not. But they just came back in the ring. Like, but this is a this is completely different from the DQ in the main event. It's completely well, different. Well, yes, it's v- nothing's like the DQ in the main event. <laughs> but I'm well, just saying like this match was not it, it wasn't marketed as a no DQ match. And, and so I can I can kind of see why. I don't agree with the decision, but this there's more merit. Yes, please don't agree with the decision. There's more merit to this DQ than the main events DQ. Well, like, they, so they called the DQ, and then, like, there's, like, 20 fans that, like, in camera shot who all, like, stood up with their arms raised out, like, what? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? I mean, it wasn't you a know. tornado tag match, and all three of them were on one person. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I know. There was only one legal man in the ring. Look. I've seen refs not DQ for much, much worse. I've seen people get hit with a chair and not get disqualified. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't agree with the decision, but when has WWE ever consistently followed the rules? Sorry, guys, if you hear us like banging around on stuff, I'm very animated right now because I'm all hopped up on just anger and yeah, sadness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, the match was decent. It, it was going towards that, that three-star territory. somewhere. Uh, I put it at one and a half for that finish. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, it, it was very dumb, very quick, very out of nowhere. Um, I wanted to see where the match was going, and, and then you pulled the rug out from underneath me and said, too bad. Yeah, so. yeah. Just go home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this was unfortunate, to say the least. Um, didn't like the finish at all. Yeah. Not a fan. Uh, I think this, uh, they did kind of do like a little bit of a brawl afterwards, and like AJ went to give Braun the phenomenal forearm, but Braun hits AJ with like a right hand with or the a, women's right. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> women's right. The most powerful move in yeah. all of WWE, as Big Show proved for years, yeah. is just just punch him, just punch him real hard, and he won't get up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, this is all to set up with uh, this confrontation that Braun is having with Tyson Fury. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the linear world heavyweight champion in boxing. So yeah. Oh, well, let's see what happens there. You know, yeah. They're setting up something for Crown Jewel just as they are with uh Brock and Kane Velasquez. You know, Breck Losner. Breck Losner. Yeah. Uh uh Bark Posner. Bork Lepsner. Bork Yeah. <laughs> Brock Lesnar. Sponsored by Beast Milk. Uh um, <laughs> 
mad gains, bro. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that that should be something interesting. I look forward to seeing Kane maul Brock again. Yes, That'll please. be fun. Um, I'm getting off topic here, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Chad Gable defeated King Corbin. Woohoo. It was fine. It did what it needed to do. It, it made uh, Gable look good. Um, made Corbin look dumb. Yeah. Fun times. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Corbin, of course, attacked Chad shortly after the match. Yeah, backstage. Yeah. yeah, Chad was giving a little bit of an interview, and then Corbin attacks him and throws him into a stairwell. Yeah. And then a referee comes from around the corner way too late, and he's like, oh, what happened here? And he's like, I got killed. And then, <laughs> it's yeah. like, what, where were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, before the main event, the penultimate main event here, of course, uh, Charlotte Flair defeated Bailey by submission to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, I didn't see this match. I was in the other room here uh, trying to set stuff up for our uh, our show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven, what did you think of this one? Uh, it was pretty good. It was actually a pretty good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't like you know crazy special or anything like that. It, it's kind of what you would expect from uh, a Charlotte Flair uh, Bailey match. It was pretty good. There was definitely some nice spots. Uh, there was like Charlotte was like bleeding from her mouth at, at one point mm. for like almost the entire match. I'm not really sure what move did that to her, mm. um, but she was bleeding. Um, you know, lots of submissions, obviously, uh, lots of Boston crabs, some holds. Um, Bailey was doing a lot of heel moves throughout the throughout the match, which I thought was interesting. There was an eye poke spot. Um, there was some spots where she's just like kicking Charlotte's head uh, while she's down and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was cool. Um, there is a new champ now, which is cool. You know, Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair, 10 time now. Um, they're really padding that number uh, very heavily. But it was cool. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I think this is exactly what they're going to do with with uh, Sasha is uh, they're going to end up moving her to SmackDown. Mm. And then her and Charlotte are going to are gonna feud a little bit here. Yeah, I could see uh, it. Yeah, Sasha after, just, yeah. Go ahead. Sasha just... I mean, after that match with Becky, and like it's like we said earlier, I think we thought that this was like a slam dunk for Sasha, mm-hmm. just as we thought it was a slam dunk for you know for the fiend. Uh, for yeah. the fiend, mm-hmm. uh, guess we were wrong on this one, guys. You know, so. uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you should have called headlock talk WWE. <laughs> we would have told you exactly how to book this thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, after the match, uh, Bailey kind of throws a fit, uh, starts yeah. like slamming her hands on the steel chair, screaming, "Why does this always happen to me?" Uh, yelling at the crowd to shut up. Uh, she she starts crying at one point, which, which is weird because they like zoom in straight on her face while she's crying, hold it there for like thirty seconds, and then cut to commercial. It was like very an, strange, uh, uh, uncomfortably <laughs> like, yeah, like I was uncomfortable for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, and then of course the main event, which we I mean Stephen and I, I don't think we can still talk about this enough, not without yelling. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's just uh speed it, test it. It. <laughs> yeah basically uh yeah no um I, I don't even want to rate the last match i really don't i yeah. i have no desire to yeah that, i do just want to say um overall it deserves minus five for the ending alone <laughs> no i so the show started out really strong surprisingly strong even especially with both matches being so long uh, yes. really having that long form kind of mm-hmm. match and mm-hmm. WWE is doing it correctly which was very surprising it, it started really well and in fact I was thinking man 
maybe this is this is the the pay per view I've been waiting for. Yes, maybe this is the one where where they come back and and really have some solid main events, some solid title changes, and things like that. Um, and they prove me wrong. Yeah, I would say this is like the tale of two halves here. Like the first half, it was it was fine. It was it was at parts it was actually really really good. It was good yeah, right. You know the you know two of the four matches announced turned out to be great. I would say even three of the four matches announced turned out to be really really good. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously the main event deserves, you know, to be in the ninth circle of hell. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh. But I think it really started going downhill midway through the card, where uh, with the the six man tag and yeah. the the disqualification nonsense that was bullshit. C minus. Ooh, yeah. I would say, I would say yeah, about a C minus. Um, maybe maybe a solid C. I do think the first match, uh, the first two matches, really saved this card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna watch this show, just spend the first hour watching it, and then you know call it a day after that. Yep, you'll be a lot happier. You'll be a lot happier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but. Speaking of making things happier, because we don't want to end this show on a, a sour note here, uh, we have, of course, mailbag questions. You guys wrote into us, and we want to give you guys shout-outs. So let's go ahead and open up the mailbag here, Stephen, and answer the questions of our listeners. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Mail sack time. <laughs> um, all right. Got to get the mail here. Okay. So... Josh Robinson uh, at Josh Robinson zero zero on Twitter asks, "Describe your go-to perfect pizza." Oh, that's a fun one right out the gate. Yeah, I like that. Stephen, what do you uh, what do you think of your go-to perfect pizza? So pizza purists are gonna hate me. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm thin crust, mm. white sauce, mm. um, with bacon and cheese. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. So, okay. pe- sorry, pizza purists. I do like red sauce too. Uh, and uh, like hand tossed pizza, uh, but thin crust white sauce all the way. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay, so I I love pizza, right? I don't get to have oh, yeah. a lot of it. Mm. I don't get to have a lot of it nowadays because you know I'm trying to watch my my uh, my manish figure. Well, here. yeah, you got to be the jacked gentleman. Got to be the jacked gentleman. Mm-hmm. God, look at those guns. Uh, Fucking a. Yeah, they're not bad. God, it's good dude. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, perfect pizza here. So I like Chicago style pizza. I like New York style pizza. I like them all the same. Yeah, yeah. Now there is a local place though that I would go to uh, once in a while, either after work or after school. Um, you know, when I was going to college at the at the community college here in Austin, mm. and uh, it was called Double Dave's. Mm. They have immaculate pizza rolls. I don't know if you guys know what pizza rolls are, but they're basically it is what you think it is. It's it's the crust, the dough rolled up with uh, some mozzarella and some pepperoni. You're gonna hate me. Uh, you dunk, you dunk it in ranch dressing and you you eat it. Double Dave's is possibly the worst pizza place. No, that's probably Mr. Gaddy's. Mr. Gaddy's is better than Double Dave's. Uh, okay, well, Stephen, uh, we're gonna have to agree to disagree here. The pizza rolls from Double Dave's are great. They are, yeah. um, <laughs> but but here's the here's where where the concept is right. It's not just that I like Double Dave's the best. It's, that's not it at all. Yeah, there are much better pizza places out there. Shout out Mod Pizza. Yes. Uh, however, this is where I got to have 
come up with my favorite pizza, mm. which is basically it's a um, uh, I call it meat sweet and heat. I like it. Uh, I like it already. Uh, so it's pepperoni and bacon. Okay. Thin crust pizza, red sauce, mm-hmm. uh, with both pineapples and jalapenos. Mm. And mm. I would dunk it in ranch dressing. So that would be my go-to pizza: the the meat, sweet, and heat. I like your style. I like your mm-hmm. style. See, I, uh, if I'm just like ordering pizza, I go with the one that I just said. Uh, but if I go out uh, for pizza, I usually go to Mod Pizza, and they have a mm-hmm. lot of really weird toppings. Uh, and I'll do a uh, I'll do a red sauce um, with um, with sausage mm. and bacon mm. and corn and onions and mm. cilantro. Interesting. It's fantastic. Interesting pizza. Yeah, that sounds very good. All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for your question. We do appreciate it as always. Matt G on Twitter at illustrious G forty asks. What's the name you would give the new Jericho-led faction? Mm. Um, I think I, I mentioned this last week, uh, but uh, I, I think it's uh, maybe it's a little bit obvious or a little bit on the head. But I think uh, I think Alpha Club would be the perfect name for it because yep. Jericho's already got the shirts printed. Walls of Jericho. Yeah, the, the walls of Jericho. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a good one too. <laughs> you know, uh, no, uh, in all honesty, though, check I, the trademark on that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I do like Alpha Club. Uh, I think that works really beautifully, and uh, they're already alluding to it. So, yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I love the question there, and thank you, Matt, for your question again. Matt is at illustrious G forty on Twitter. Mm. So shout out, Matt. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mount Rushmore Pod. You know, on Twitter at Badlands Pod. Hey there, uh, Mags and Paul. How are you guys doing? Oh, hello. <laughs> um, they ask thoughts on people who quote unquote double denim. Double do, denim. Do you know what that is, Stephen? Uh, denim bottoms, denim tops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. D- denim. You look dumb. <laughs> you look dumb, and you need to stop that. Yeah, really. That's about it. That's huh. all I got to say. See, like. I, I normally rock a single denim, mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, uh, at one point I did have a denim jacket. Mm. My grandmother, uh, who uh, who I love very much, uh, she also would wear a denim jacket. Um, so I've seen people, particularly here in Texas, wear some double denim. Oh yeah, right. I've probably even done it myself. Um, but see, you you, you got to make sure that it's not like. The same color of denim. Mm, like you can't wear mm. like blue denim, pe- you know, like jeans, blue denim yeah, jacket. Yeah. Like, see, the only time that that the double denim is like acceptable is if you're in a punk rock band, or if you're Orange Cassidy, or if you're Orange Cassidy, exactly. Um, but if, <laughs> if you're in a punk band, yeah, you've seen it, a lot of punk bands wear double denim. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just like the the punk jacket with like the sleeves ripped off and like the. The patches everywhere. Oh, uh, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, see, that's a creative way to get out of the problem. There is to yeah. to, to get yourself some kick ass patches, like through one giant patch of your favorite, you know, band. Like just have a giant Motorhead patch on your back, and then have well, yeah. like other punk rock ones down the sleeves and on the back and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a cool way to do double Cause, denim. Because at that point, it, it's a punk. Yeah, jacket. It's not a denim jacket anymore. You yeah, know? like, and and if you take the next step, and you're not like you're not ironing on the patches, but you're like you're like using uh what are those things called? 
the the not, not push pins um you know those pins bobby pins not bobby mm. pins you know the you know the ones where you like that you sew with no like um oh crap uh you you like they like spring open if you push them down and then like the needle comes up but then you like push it through whatever you're trying to to pin in and then you like re like reattach the the pin into it uh Steven's perplexed, and I'm doing a terrible job of describing this. I was just trying to make it look more punk rock, and I ended up fucking it all up. Really. I'm sorry, I don't know. No, it's okay. I'll have to remember what it's called. If anybody on Twitter knows what I'm talking about here, don't hesitate to hit us up at Headlock Talk on Twitter. Again, we are at Headlock Talk. Uh, please send me a picture of the pins and tell me what it's called, because uh, I'm a dumbass, apparently. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, in conclusion, punk rock only. Yeah, if you you, you got to be slaying the bass, bro. Yep. Um, speaking of bass, uh, everything pro wrestling. Uh, Conrad, uh, he, he is on Twitter at EPW Show. Uh, he's got two questions for us, Stephen. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite rap song? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. So I'm mostly a metalhead, uh, personally. Mm. Uh, I like a lot of metal, a lot of metal core. Um. But I do like rap as well. Um, Odd Future is one of my favorites. Um, obviously Eminem, because I'm white, you know. That's how that goes. Um, also, Hobson is fantastic. Uh, absolute favorite rap song of all time, though, is Oldie by Odd Future. Really? Fantastic song. Really? For contrast, here's a pair of lips. Swallowing syrup and sitting fire to sheriff's whips. Nice. It's a great song. Nice, nice. Uh... <laughs> Uh, you may not know this about me looking at me here across the table, uh, or if you ever meet me in person, you may not know this about me, but I'm a very big Jay-Z fan, mm, very mm. big Jay-Z fan. Uh, I spent a lot of my early 20s listening to Jay-Z, and uh, I was even once, um, I knew a girl who, who uh, uh, before I met Mrs. Headlock Talk, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know she was very, very cool, and uh I I won't I won't say her name on air, of course. Of course. Uh, but we were hanging out once, and uh, we were gonna go drive downtown. And I had uh, Jay Z's The Black Album mm. in my car at mm. the time. One of the all time great rap albums, if you uh, if you're familiar. And uh, she uh, apparently did not like jay-z or rap music in general so she actually uh took the cd out of my car like she she like ejected the cd and like threw it out the window of my car uh on the interstate uh to which point i was very upset and uh yeah, yeah i remember i think i dropped her off back at her house after that and just went home because uh, i was like uh yeah screw you that's the appropriate response yes um <laughs> uh, but hey you know what you know uh Different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah. Uh, moreover, to my point here, uh, I would say of all the Jay Z songs that I really enjoy most, uh, my favorite one is off of the Blueprint, uh, "Heart of the City." Mm. Uh, in parentheses, "Ain't No Love." That's my favorite uh, rap song. Nice. You gonna you gonna spill a little cipher or what? <laughs> no, I I, I I I can't do it. No, unfortunately. Hey, but okay. j- but hey, you're you're very awesome wordsmith over there steven no oh, that was earl sweatshirt that wasn't me oh well but. there you go <laughs> i was impressed bonus uh, answer earl sweatshirt is probably my favorite rapper there, so. you, there you go there you go 
Conrad also asks, asks rather, uh, who in wrestling today missed their best era of opportunity in the past? AKA wrestler A is doing well today, but you uh, would have thrived, uh, thrived rather in the attitude era. Mm. That's a really good question. Yeah. Which wrestler is doing well today, but missed their era of opportunity from the past? Hmm. That's a hard one. It is. Very much so. <laughs> um, while Steven ponders his question here, um, I'm going to go with what wrestler from today missed their era. I mean, I would probably say somebody like... Um, hmm. I mean, I think Aleister Black would have done very, very well uh, in the Attitude Era, perhaps, but but he's so much like the Undertaker, yeah. so it would have been hard to uh, maybe make that crossover there. Um, See, I was thinking if we're going to the Attitude Era, um, one person that would really thrive there, you know, he, he's kind of a small guy, so maybe not, uh, but MJF uh, would do uh-huh. very well in there just because he is one of the best heels on the mic. Ooh, yeah. No, I would say, actually, you know what? You raise a good point. MJF probably circa 84, 85. Mm-hmm. I would say in the early WrestleMania uh, years, he was a very, good, very, very good heel. Yeah, he could so, really pull it so off. I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think he would thrive there like no one else. So, yeah, good shout, Steven. Thank you. Like I said, you made me change my opinion on a dime there. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely awesome. So, yeah, MJF, I guess, uh, mid or early to mid-80s. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right. Anthony Talk Stuff at AA Talk Stuff on Twitter, our friend Anthony, of course. Uh, if you could change any moment in wrestling, what would it be? And what ramifications would it have butterfly effect wise? Wow. Money in the Bank 2019. Men's Money in the Bank match. Oh, really? Andrade wins. Andrade wins. Yep. Okay. And what happens after Andrade wins? Steven? Andrade just gets the freaking push that he should have gotten years ago. Yeah, and, and he's a bigger star than he is right now, and he gets the recognition that he deserves. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. In- very interesting indeed. Uh, the the dog has actually laid down under the table. Is now rolling over onto my foot. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> um, I can attest to that. Yeah, that is happening. Wow, so, in all of wrestling history, that's what you would change. I mean, that's just the first one that popped into my head. Interesting. Interesting. Um. This one's a little bit tricky, and I'll probably go with an answer, and I'm not trying to be upsetting or anything like that, because that's not my point at all here. I think I know what you're about to say. Uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, I also want to give a second answer, but go ahead. Oh, well, you go first. I'm, you know, I can wait. So I don't know if we're talking about just uh, results from wrestling, but if we're talking about just wrestling history Yeah, just, just any moment. Whole, any moment. Um, yeah, if I could change any moment in history, Edge would not have to retire. Yeah, yeah. I would love to still see Edge to this day. He is fantastic, was fantastic, and uh, that was a very sad moment in my childhood. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and give two now that now that we're on the subject. I, both are fairly upsetting yeah. to some people. Uh, but um, uh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give the softer one second here. Mm-hmm. I would say the first one here is the whole Chris Benoit thing. Yep. Yeah. First one, uh, yeah, that 
because that had so many ramifications industry-wide. And started I started th- the PG era. Started the PG era, really and truthfully. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, what I can't see anything more to the subject that hasn't already been said by countless others. Right. But that is easily, I mean, with all of the ramifications that there are, that is easily number one. Yeah. As far as what do I, what moment in wrestling would I change? See, and what's crazy about that is that was my answer as well. Um, I just didn't even want to mention it. Mm. So, hey, it's all good, man. Um, a close second to that would probably be the Eddie stuff, mm. Eddie Guerrero, mm. his passing away as well. I think, though, his is more, whereas Crispin Waz is more of like a, you know, blacklisted kind of subject. Uh, Eddie's been more or less like canonized, right. you know, uh, in, in wrestling lore. Uh, for being as special as he was. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one that I was going to actually say, too, was um, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's neck injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's upsetting that, you know, that, you know, the other person involved here was Owen Hart for everything that happened to him, and there's a lot of tragedy with that, too. Um, But had that move not happened, where Owen took... um, Stone Cold upside down for a tombstone, but then did the sit out version where he lands on his ass instead of lands on his knees. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that would have definitely, we probably would still see Stone Cold involved in wrestling in some capacity. Yeah, definitely. Now, he says he wants to have perhaps one more match. He's not sure. But, uh, I mean, look, man. I mean, he's in good enough shape to do it, I would say. At least looking at his arms, right? Uh, but at the same time, yeah, that that took like that cut his career in half. Yeah, I would say cut definitely by a large margin. Well, it's it's you know the the Kurt Angle scenario that we talked about uh, several episodes. Yeah, that him it's like, too. It's like, dude, I appreciate you. Yeah, but you don't have to do this. Yeah. You know, like I I don't want to see you in, get in, injured. In fact, I don't want you to do this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thank you, Anthony, for your question. Do appreciate it. Uh, Chris of the North, dot, 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 Carolina, at black underscore Baymax number eight on Twitter asks, what wrestler would you cast as the main characters of an action movie, rom-com, kung fu movie, and drama? Okay. Ooh, so you got you to gotta pick out different uh, wrestlers for different action roles Action movie, here. Andrade. Andrade, you think so? Yeah, yeah. I think you could pull it off. Uh, I would say Cesaro for an action movie. Nice, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, rom- rom-com. Tyler Breeze. Uh, Tyler Breeze was would actually be a good shout. I would say, yeah, Tyler Breeze would be good, or even like The Miz as like, or, or even MJF like, yeah. as as like the snooty asshole friend. Yeah, yeah. I would say that'd be that'd be a good good shout there. For sure. Uh, Kung Fu movie. Alistair Black interesting choice yeah i was gonna go with kota ibushi mm. kota see ibushi. with alistair black i was kind of going for like uh, i don't know if you've seen john wick three have you seen that yeah yeah uh, i was kind of going for that kind of style where it, you know it's like the white guy goes into asia and is <laughs> like, just as good just as kung fu destroys people <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 100 percent, man 100 percent. and then drama um i don't know maybe randy orton I could see Randy Orton in a drama for sure. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been in dramas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to say John Cena because that's too easy. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could go Randy Orton. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Um, hmm. I would say, man, for dramas... See, that's harder because you, you need to have someone who, who is really charismatic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Drama. Hmm. Who says drama? You know what? I would go with maybe maybe Becky Lynch. Mm, yeah. maybe, maybe Becky Lynch because she seems like the person who would, have, who would have enough charisma to carry the movie even on her own at times. Yeah. But then also like... I don't know, be badass, back it up, and then, like, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like it'd be a, she'd be a good pick for Let a Let me drama. just also throw in Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he would be good in a rom-com. Oh, you think so? Adam, Adam Cole. He's got the smile. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the cockiness and uh-huh. the swagger for it. Yeah, good good question here. You could cast uh, Ciampa as the villain in the drama. Or, or in an action movie for that Or in matter. an action movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Great question here. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, again, Chris of the North Carolina for your question. King of the North. <laughs> uh, Richie uh, at underscore at uh, Mithril underscore Mage on Twitter asks: Kane Velasquez wrestles uh, has a match with Triple A, who is an AEW partner. Uh, teases about going to AEW, and then all of a sudden is at SmackDown. What do you think happened? Um, I don't know. Either one of two things. Um, he always knew he was going to WWE and decided to throw the trail off, or got a much better deal last minute. I would say the latter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say money talks. Yep, hundred percent. It's Kane freaking Velasquez. I mean, yeah, you know, that's a big name. That's someone you really want. Yeah. Well, and I think he knows too. Uh, WWE is big time. It's established. Plus, Brock's there. He knows Brock. I mean, he beat the crap out of him. Oh my god, it was rough, man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it makes a lot more sense um, than, than than AEW would perhaps. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's already in in a lot of scenarios, this is a bad thing. But in this case, in the wrestling world, this can be a good thing. There's already heat and there's already baggage uh, going to WWE, you know. And uh, I mean, that's convenient. Yeah. So no, that's true. Uh, thank you, Richie, for your question. Uh, we do appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, upwards and onwards as always. At uh, Connor underscore 12 on Twitter. This is uh, our friend Connor. Uh, does AEW's first quote-unquote win over NXT start a quote-unquote ratings war uh, between both shows? I think this was a war yeah. from the start. That's what I was going to say. Uh, the ratings war started before they even aired. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this was, you know, as soon as AEW's like, we're on Wednesdays, it was like, all right, saddle up, everybody. 100%. Yeah, the, this was always going to be a ratings war. Um, the only way this wasn't going to be a ratings war is if for some reason AEW just took a turd yeah. and, and just had, you know, like 200,000 watchers or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, but yeah. Now, a lot of people in the wrestling community shit on Dave Meltzer mm. for for some reason. Yeah, or for one reason or another. I mean, people have their reasons. I think that for the most part, uh, his his news is 
very good, and I like his reviews and even some of his points of view. Uh, so I, I definitely have a lot of respect for Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something that he said that irked me a bit was that they were uh, that AEW and NXT have two different audiences. That's not true at all. I was like, that's false, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like it's wrestling, right? Like, yes, um, there are lapsed fans out there. There's a lot of lapsed fans. But I'm very, very confident in knowing that probably anybody who t- who tuned into one probably ended up also saying, okay, well, let me ch- go ahead and check out the other. Right. Well, it, it's not just that they're both wrestling. It's that they're both subgenres of the same style of wrestling. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I think that's a very big H- high High work rate wrestling. High work rate wrestling and, and still having a little bit of that, you know, like flair to it that some American audiences are accustomed to. Um, they they are the exact same subgenre of wrestling. So yeah, I, I I disagree with that. Yeah, I, I think AEW turned out better in the ratings. And I'm not trying to diminish what AEW did at all, uh, but I think we talked about this earlier this week. I think what 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 the difference was here is AEW is the unicorn. It it, it, it did its thing. It went out for the very first time, and people were intrigued. It's brand new. Yeah, and TNT... You can't fight brand new. Right. TNT did an excellent job of marketing and advertising it, and let's be honest, WWE and USA uh, networks have done a very poor job so far of marketing NXT. Yeah, well, I, I think they're just going off the, the thought that you know NXT is already an established product, and, you know, I'll just, you know plug it once or twice on Raw and SmackDown yeah. and the people will come, you know, and that's uh yeah. That's just not how these these kind of things are done. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yep. Nope. True. True. And I mean we could sit here and talk all day again about this and we already did. Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh we do appreciate your question, Connor, for sure. Um uh, up next here, uh, Zachary Shilo at Zach Shy one three zero. What's going on, Zach? Howdy howdy. Uh let's see here. He's got a couple questions as well. What did you think of Kofi losing to uh, the WWE title to Lesnar? Bullshit. <laughs> Give me another one. Uh, <laughs> uh, second question, was Kane Velasquez showing up in WWE too quick? No, just because I got to see that face on Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, the face where he looks like he lost a turd in his shorts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, but in, in all seriousness, uh, Kofi getting jobbed out to Lesnar was bullshit. Um, to... Yeah, seven seconds. Kofi's reign was was at the very least good, right? And I I just don't. Yeah, everyone knows my opinion on Lesnar. I'll shut up. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, it's it it is what it is. Uh, uh, Bork Posner, Bork Posner. Yeah, <laughs> Brick Lepsner. <laughs> Oh, these names are killing me. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for your question, Zach. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Justin Poxic on Twitter at Poxic Justin asks, uh, "Who is your favorite wrestler and company?" Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Uh, do I have to give one? I mean, I don't think I can give just one. That's right. the problem. Yeah. Right. Like I like. Okay, I'll, t- I'll doing... tell you what. I'm gonna vi- I'm gonna I'm going to elaborate this question, and make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Cause, Fun, because that's <laughs> that's that's what the Texas gentleman does. That's the headlock talk way. T- <laughs> Absolutely, 110 <110% laughs> right there. Um, so like I've got favorite wrestlers 
in different promotions. I think that's what makes it so hard because mm-hmm. I, I like each one of them for different reasons, right? right? Um, like in New Japan, for example, I really, really like New Japan. When New Japan is like on its day, it is uh, by far better than NXT, by far better than AEW, by far better than anything that WWE is putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, G1 this year was amazing spectacular it was it was one of the most spectacular tournaments i think probably in the history of pro wrestling Mm -hmm. probably the best uh tournament ever in the history of pro wrestling hot takes hot takes ladies and gentlemen um but they were filled with wrestlers who were freaking amazing yeah like will osprey on his day is the best wrestler in the world Mm -hmm. kota ibushi the winner of the g1 on his day is the best wrestler in the world kazushiko okada Almost every other day of the week is the best wrestler in the world. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's so many great, and, and then like Jay White, one of the best heels in the business, bar none. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I, I really love New Japan. I love all of those guys. Um, NXT would probably come next up on my list here. Uh, obviously Johnny. You know Johnny Gargano is amazing. Adam Cole is amazing. Um, when Alistair Black and Ricochet there, I uh, were there with them, and then Velveteen Dream and um, uh, Matt Riddle. I felt like that was like the golden era of NXT. Definitely, yeah. Um, all of them are great. Uh, but uh, probably most of all, I'd like our uh current reigning uh fantasy warfare champion Tommaso Ciampa mm, mm. probably the most out of NXT. Yeah. So this is such a hard question. It, like, it is a really hard question. Yeah. I mean, if if I had to put like, it's just so hard to pick one. You know, I uh, would say okay. I'll 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 try and make this easier. Okay. I'll say traditionally, my favorite wrestler of all time is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. Nobody else gives me the chills like hearing that music. Mm-hmm. Maybe secondly, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. But Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels are probably right up there with my favorite wrestlers of all time see but like for me that that's a different question you know because like this this maybe this is i feel like current you know i don't know like there there's so many different ways you can tackle this question yeah so i'm just gonna list some of my favorites (laughs) um go for it steven favorite wrestler big daddy champa yeah that's gonna be my favorite wrestler he's the best heel in the business he is insanely brutal in the ring great on the mic he's awesome he does everything a hundred percent and he does it very very well absolutely champa is definitely going to be number one uh really really big shout outs though to will osprey um to uh what oh no i'm just surprised yeah uh big shout outs to will osprey big shout outs to johnny gargano uh big shout outs to velveteen dream matt riddle a lot of nxt guys obviously but also big shout outs to kenny omega young bucks cody uh, these are all really, really solid wrestlers. Uh, but if I do have to pick one, it's going to be Big Daddy Ciampa, and it's going to be his house of NXT. Yeah, no, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Ciampa is definitely probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the night after he returned on NXT. Uh, I think I should have brick. Yeah, that was awesome. Yep. Now, I wore my Ciampa shirt to work, and one of the guys there was like, ah. This guy, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. This guy gets it. Ciampa. Hell yeah. Um, so, yeah, great question, Justin. I would greatly appreciate uh, you uh, you chatting in here uh, with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 
what would a mailbag episode be, Stephen, uh, without uh, our good buddy, uh, Mike Charlotte, uh, at MikeJC821 on Twitter. Good uh, buddy, Mike. How he, you doing, he's, man? He's written in on every mailbag that we've ever had. So yes. um, greatly appreciate uh, him uh, joining the show, yeah. as always. Yeah, thank you for the support. Absolutely. Sure. And yeah. also check out his blog. Yes. Fantastic writing. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. Very good stuff. Would love to have him on the show sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, thank you to everybody who wrote in questions. Uh, and uh, let, let's get on with, with Mike's here. Um, let me see here. Uh, okay, some very intriguing questions this time. Mm-hmm. None of them are really shitting on WWE. Oh, wait, nope, here's one. <laughs> uh, so, one of Mike's questions here. Uh, with a new draft coming, do you guys expect WWE to stack SmackDown with the majority of the big stars and for Raw to maybe have act- to actually build new stars? Uh, well, after WWE just shot its face off with what happened in Hell in the Cell, yeah. um, I mean, they're, they're going to have to think of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we're going to see a little bit of this. Um, you know, SmackDown is the the new big bad on Fox that they're really trying to push heavily. Uh, yeah. th- there are going to be a lot, a lot of big stars on SmackDown. That yeah. is without a doubt. Um, but WWE doesn't seem to be very good at building new stars. So we'll see what happens with Raw. But Mike, I, I think you are correct here. I think SmackDown's going to be stacked. Uh, their roster is going to be stupid, stupid stacked with some big people. And uh, I, I do think that Raw will suffer in the long run from it. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, which is going to be weird. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I have to start skipping Monday nights, it's going to be a really weird feeling. Right. Uh, right. But, you know, you never know. They might actually have to try and, like, promote Ricochet or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, maybe this uh, whole Chad Gable thing is in preparation for yeah. that. Yeah, they, I mean, they're going to... I think maybe it's smart... It's going to be some growing pains, but I think it's good that they booked themselves into this corner here where now they're going to have to really try and make something happen. Yep. So, you know, maybe maybe, maybe there's a silver lining here, I hope. Yeah. Great question, though. Yeah. Uh, he also asks, why does WWE spend time building Saudi Arabia shows uh, on TV but do nothing to make me care about said shows? So I'm going to answer your question with another question. When was the last time WWE tried to make you care about any show, let oh. alone just the Saudi show? Ooh. Now, let's be... Hell in a Cell let's... had four matches as of yesterday. As of yesterday. And they and they barely talked about much of them. Like, oh. the one they talked about most was Sasha and Becky. Yeah. I'd say for sure. They Like, they, like, barely even hyped up uh, NXT on Wednesday. And it's like, dude, this is the start of the war. Yeah, and you, you know, and you just like sat there. Yeah, you're just like, hey, go look at this thing. Oh, but look, Roman Reigns, though. Right. Like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> now, let's be fair. Does this actually include NXT shows? Like, are are you saying like to to did have NX has NXT not been able to make you care about a show? So I know Mike. He doesn't mean NXT. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I mean. I figured as much. Um, but I was just wanting to clarify for what you said. Yeah, um, why does WWE spend time building to Saudi shows on TV but do nothing to make me care about said shows? Um, well, let's be honest, because they do a terrible job at it. Yeah. I mean, uh, flat out, that's it. Like, they, they, they're just bad at making you care. And uh, honestly, like I said, they they destroyed a lot of their own goodwill 
doing a lot of things, right? Um, let's not forget what last year's controversies uh, were about, you know, and WWE was told by many, many people, don't do this, mm-hmm. and they went and did it anyway. Why? Because of money. Yep. And I think that's sad, and though I think that a lot of people in that company depended on them making that money, I don't think that nearly enough of them saw the lion's share of it to really justify it. Yep. So, I Couldn't have said it better. Very sad. Mm-hmm. Very, very sad. Um, but let's let's finish this out uh, with uh, Mike's last question here. With AEW having all wins and losses matter, is it possible that it comes back to bite them, seeing as it could lead to a lot of heel versus heel and face versus face dynamics? Pack is undefeated, clearly putting him next in line, but Cody can't make himself champion this early, can he? I mean, he shouldn't. Ooh. He can, but he shouldn't. Um, I really like this question. So I was thinking about this myself, uh, just because you know we always we always give WWE shit about you know wins and losses meaning nothing. But now AEW is going so far in the other direction that they're even displaying the win loss record on the name cards uh, whenever people are coming in. Yeah, and they're talking about win loss records and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I really like that. I think it's great. I think it adds a really cool dynamic. However, um, that's a lot to keep track of. And who's to say that these, you know, what happens when two guys have the same record? You know, what happens then? I guess you can put them in a match together. It's just, it. that's hard to keep up with to make it make sense all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So... Uh, to a certain degree, Mike, I can see it becoming a problem. I don't think we're far enough along in AEW's life uh, to really see any of the effects of that, but I can see it becoming a, a challenge later. I can definitely see it being challenging, but I don't necessarily see it as a problem, per se, just as long as you make it make sense, right? right. And I know you said, like, hey, it's hard to make things make sense all the time, and uh, yes and no, right? Like, you know, you just have to give a reason for us to justify it, right? Um, I think WWE, for better or worse, proved that tonight uh, with the Kabuki Warriors and uh, the Nikki Cross and uh, Alexa Bliss match. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had no idea what the hell was going on because they didn't tell me why I should care why the Kabuki Warriors were acting heelish. They didn't tell me why I should care about you know, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross being baby faces. They didn't tell me any of that. Right. But if you do put Pac versus Chris Jericho, for example, and it's heel versus heel, as long as you give me a reason to, you know, believe or cheer for one of them, uh, then that's then that's fine. Um, I think that AEW, on the other hand, though, is just trying to concentrate more on giving you a dynamic and a more high-quality product. Rather than it being about baby faces and heels. Right. And I think that in itself is a bit detrimental, too. Mm. Like, it has its good and its bad. Right. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. But wrestling, traditionally, is... And I know we're in this weird postmodern era of uh, 
wrestling and you yeah. know people being like no i'm a character actor and i'm like i'm a performer i play this person mm-hmm. and they're like this is my real name on twitter played as who what the, uh, you know this is my name and this is who i play on on and when i'm wrestling it's like yeah. whatever can you not could you <laughs> could you create another account yeah no but i mean in all seriousness like you know, this is a weird time, and AEW's navigating some weird uncharted waters. So it's just a matter of time as to, you know, time will only tell what we're going to actually think of it. But mm-hmm. I do think if you can at least explain it uh, and make it make sense ahead of time, you know, why not? Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll run into, you know, some different challenges uh, than, you know, in, in WWE. Oh, you want to give this good guy the this good guy a push, but there's not really anyone that he can feud with or have a good storyline with him. I mean, you can just make him turn heel. Yeah, you know. But with with AEW and and wins and losses being the big thing and not face and heel, uh, there there's going to be some more challenges. There'll be different challenges, but uh, I I think they can pull it off. Okay. Sweet, man. Well, as always, guys, it was a wonderful pleasure. No if wishes were fishes this week because we ran quite long uh, here. But uh, <laughs> if you're still with us, we do appreciate you for hanging in there. And, uh, of course, thank you to all the, the wonderful people who wrote in to us for our mailbag. Uh, so keep your eye out for the next mailbag episode. If you see us posting something about it on Twitter, please don't hesitate to write in to us so we can give you guys a shout-out as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of Twitter... You can find Headlock Talk at Headlock Talk uh, on the Twitter sphere. So, the Twitters. So please don't hesitate to hit us up or interact with us. You know, we'd love to talk to you. It's always a good time. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, if you enjoyed today's episode uh, and you want to give back to us, uh, please don't hesitate to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, wherever. So, yeah, hit that subscribe button and uh, leave us a review. We want to hear your feedback, what you liked about the show, uh, you know, what we can do to improve. Uh, if you thought today's show sucked, keep that to yourself because no one else wants to hear about that. It makes <laughs> us quite sad. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, if you did like uh, the sound of our voices today and you want us to sponsor your product, uh, like Stephen mentioned, uh, reading doing your audio book last week. Uh-huh. So audible.com, if you're his, if you're listening, uh, Steven's your guy. Indeed. Uh, yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're interested in us uh, advertising for your product, hit us up, headlocktalk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steven, any final words here before we close things out today? I wish Hell in a Cell was better. I, I wish the main event specifically was better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm being unfair. I wish the main event I, was better. I think if the main event was different, then we'd have a totally different thought. Yeah. But you know what? Where do we go from here with The Fiend, man? Where do we go? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find out starting next week. Yep. I'm sure we'll talk all about it on the next episode of Headlock Talk. Later, y'all. <laughs> Good night, guys. become
from Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts, we focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Hey, which glasses look better on me? Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Pretty cool, right? Hmm. Uh, I don't know about the purple cat eyes. I think they're fun. What about these tortoiseshell glasses? Or these rimless sunglasses? Oh, what about these clear frames? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep. They also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.